0: Locked on Longhorns, the show, Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode with John Garcia, Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated is brought to you by LinkedIn. A lot of great jobs on LinkedIn, just not my job or John Garcia's job. We're talking about Steve Sarkeesian, what he needs to accomplish in year two this year, what we should be saying about Quinn Ewers after his first year as a starter. We're talking Cole Hudson and Kelvin Banks, two freshmen starting on that O-line. JT Sanders at tight end, Ethan Burke and Savion Red, two freshmen who can have a big impact this year. And what impact will the Alabama-Texas game have on the 2023 recruiting class? Before we start the show, we are about 35 uh, subscribers away on YouTube from 2000. Locked on Longhorns is about 35 away from 2000. Our goal is to get to 2,000 by September 1st, and we are on track to do that. If you're watching this video and have not subscribed yet, please click that subscribe button so we can get to 2,000 uh, by September 1st and hopefully 3,000 by the end of the season. Thank you for all of your support. So, John, there has been a coaching carousel at the 40 Acres, the type that you typically don't see at a Blue Blood program, right? But since Matt Brown has left, we had Charlie Strong, which did not work out, and then we had – Tom Herman, which did not work out. And then Steve Sarkeesian uh, didn't have the best first impression going five and seven in his first year to end that coaching carousel at the 40 acres. What does Steve Sarkeesian need to accomplish in his second year at the University of Texas?
1: Well, just just go win the national championship. And I think everything will be <laughs> okay. will be will be quite quite all right there. Now, uh, from a realistic standpoint, I, I obviously there has to be an improvement in the win column that, that goes without saying. I, I don't know if there's a number. I think eight is is the number I see, you know, most commonly thrown out there. But if we're talking about what's unique about 2022. It's all the transition. You mentioned the coaching carousel at Texas. How how about the coaching carousel we saw nationally at the end of 2021, which includes huge ramifications relative to what we see on that Texas schedule, Uh, most notably Oklahoma, of course, as Lincoln Riley went to USC. Brent Venables is now in. And I say that because it's like the first time in my life, J.D., where I have no idea what to expect of Oklahoma. Usually I'm like, hey, they're going to score it. The quarterback's going to be darn good, and defensively, they won't be great, but they'll be good in the margins. Turnovers, sacks, they're going to get on you in those margins to be able to put together double-digit wins and have a shot at the playoff. For the first time, again, in my life, I don't know, and I don't think so either. Right? So much turnover, not only in the coaching staff, but of course on that roster, and it's really hard to implement the kind of – Hurry up, no huddle, speed, tempo offense that Jeff Levy wants to as the OC. So, so throw in that the personnel changes on defense, where some of their best players were, of course, you know, seniors and, and are in the NFL now. And I think this is the year to get Oklahoma. This is the year to do it. Last year, in, in certain conferences, are like, hey, you better do it now. Like Georgia, you better beat Bama now. It feels like that was the, the year you had to do it. And they, they, of course, did when it counted most. It feels like that in the Big 12. You got to get Oklahoma now, and the formula is breaking the right way for Texas to be able to do so elsewhere in the Big 12 because we don't have a lot of known. We know Baylor's going to be good in the front seven, uh, new quarterback, a lot of new personnel, totally new wide receiver core, don't know much how much they'll score. Okie State, I mean, Spencer Sanders is returning for year 26, but beyond that, not a whole lot known. With, with the pokes, although defensively they were so good last year, but the D.C. is gone. He's now at Ohio State. Uh, Kansas State is the wild card. Could be ten wins, could be five. Anything in between shouldn't be a whole lot of surprise. And, and that's kind of it. I feel like that's, that's the scope of the Big 12. So it feels like if there is a year to strike, combined with the talent, combined with the offensive prowess and what you brought in to support that offensive prowess and some patchwork stuff on defense too – it's got to be this year for Texas. I know that's a lot for year two. It doesn't mean it has to be a natty, but in terms of contending in the Big 12, truly contending, uh, it's got to be this year, it feels like, for Texas. And then externally, the pressure's already there. You know, I, I don't know how many more coaches have the pressure in year two that Steve Sarkeesian is, is facing. I feel like every day, even in naming the starting quarterback, it was like, wait, what? All the reports were elsewhere. It just—it's you—you f- feel contention, and that, and that's a good thing, cause cause pressure either either makes you or breaks you. And I think in 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 the lineup of what is around Texas in the Big Twelve, it has the opportunity to make them going into 2022. Because again, the offense wasn't the issue at least from structure and production in 2021. Execution, sustainability, safety, c- protecting the ball, yes hundred percent was the issue, but it wasn't the overarching issue on Texas and neither was talent. It, It was defense and it was really sustainability on both sides of the ball. If you have addressed those needs, which from a personnel standpoint, it looks like you have new quarterback and all that on top of it. You should be headed in the right direction. So I think eight is conservative here for Texas or maybe seven or eight is conservative. But I really do think the ceiling of this this team is is a big 12 championship because of the year we're in. It's it's, not, it's almost independent of Texas. The year that we're in with what's around Texas, it feels like this is just the time to strike. So for me, it, it's, it's got to be tangible. It's got to be easy to see that, like, hey, Texas is one of the great stories of 2022. That has to come true for Sark in year two.
0: Great answer. I'm gonna go off the menu a little bit here. You talked about uh, Brent Venables in his first year at Oklahoma and uh, Sarkeesian Venables might be the longest Red River rivalry last named <laughs> coaching matchup we've had. Uh, but Sark lost to Oklahoma in horrible fashion in year one. And this is the first iteration of hopefully uh decade's worth of, of Venables Sarkeesian at Texas, Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. It's my opinion that that's the most important game on the schedule this year, and Sark can't afford to start off that matchup 0-2 and 0-1 in the venable Sarkeesian
1: iteration of the Red River shootout. What's your opinion on that? I agree. Obviously, that's – look, when we look at the Big 12 again for my whole life, it's, it's these two schools. And the transition just breeds opportunity in this regard, especially when you think about what happened last year. It, you were supposed to clip them last year which would have been ahead of schedule. And, oh, my gosh, coach of the year. Is, it would have been a, such a different narrative if, if you hold on there at the Red River rivalry uh, last year, which, you know, was was very possible. Didn't happen, and, and now we're, we're at this point. So it's not like, even with Lincoln Riley, it's not like it was that unreachable just a year ago. So you you certainly have got to follow that up in year two, and it's clearly the most important game on the schedule. This The Alabama game is – Obviously, the storylines write themselves all the Bama transfers, Sarkeesian's a Bama transfer himself, basically, Kyle Flood, Jeff Banks. All that is, is easy to write about from a journalistic perspective, but physically and on the field. I mean, like, there, I don't think there's been. I had to look at all the polls. I don't know if anybody has any other team at number one going in. Like, I, I think it's like unanimous, uh, which is not something we always see in college football. And the game is so early, and we know so much about Bama. That whole defense is back, and the Heisman winner, by the way, on the other side of the ball is back, too. So many things that we just know about Bama. That game is interesting, and we'll have a ton of storylines and all that, but relative to how we look at Sarkeesian, it's about Oklahoma. It is about Oklahoma. Uh, always uh, at, at Texas. And I do think that, yes, I agree. That's easily the most important game. Kansas, pretty important too. But you got to you, you gotta get over the Oklahoma hump. Uh, and I think you've got to do it in a certain fashion. You know, Steve Sarkeesian has a lot of pressure on him in year two. And he's got to, to me, win with how we would expect him to win. It's got to be offensively driven. It's got to be with points, production, and I think a little bit of pizzazz on top of it uh, if, if we're talking about Texas being back, that part has to be there. It can't just be knock down, drag it out, football. And and Texas isn't built to win that way anyway. So I do think you roll the dice in that regard, which makes the the Ewer's decision make a little bit more sense. And it makes the strategical approach of how they built this roster offensively start to make a little bit more sense uh, on top of it. So, yeah, it's it's the year to strike with Oklahoma, and it's the year for Sarkeesian to – erase the doubt that still comes along with his name as a head coach not as an oc or a quarterback developer but as a head coach there's still a lot of doubt with his name and i think this is the year he has to erase it because if it feels like if he doesn't erase it this year i i feel like it doesn't go away it just doesn't go away and you're just known as that great oc and play caller and maybe quarterback guru but not necessarily head coach and it just feels like it's great. It's, you know, you're still a millionaire and you're going to be fine, but it's just not that level of comfort. Like, yeah, this is a great college head coach versus this is just a a great play caller. So nothing
0: screams offense and pizzazz like uh, Quinn Ewers, right? The, the young uh, red shirt, almost true freshman quarterback with the mullet who has now been named a starter at the university of Texas. A lot of what we're saying about Quinn Ewers up until this point is projection because the last time we saw him throw a meaningful pass was at South Lake Carroll in high school, right? And so what should Texas fans be saying about Quinn Ewers at the end of the 2022 season to make you
1: and most of us feel like the decision to start Quinn Ewers by Steve Sarkeesian was a success? It should be a whole lot of, in one sense, it's going to be a whole lot of I told you so from those who want them to roll the dice, right? Which is, hey, if I was a Texas fan, that's the camp I would be in. Like, it hasn't been great for however long, Let's roll the dice, go all in, and open this thing all the way up. Like, no more tiptoeing through it. Let's just, like, kick the door in and let the chips fall where they may. So I think you'll get a whole lot of, I told you, from that crew. But I think the, the wider scope will be a whole lot of O's typed on keyboards. Like, oh, I get it. I get why he was the number one recruit. I get why Sark was brought in. I get why Ewers was brought in. I get why these receivers came in. I get why all of this seemingly came together with with the mullet in mind. Uh, It it should be a whole lot of uh, almost relief, I I would say, uh, in one sense, of why all of this came together. Because to me, J.D., Hudson Card and Steve Sarkeesian had every opportunity and more to just stay linked and stay together in in the QB one head coach uh, dynamic, right? The battery, if you will. There was so many opportunities for Carr to hold on to it. Whether you go back to last year when when he looked like the more successful quarterback, the entire off season where you've already known and been in this system, you already have a rapport with most of these targets that will will see Texas trot out there, including Xavier Worthy, Bijan Robinson, all that stuff. Every opportunity to just be like, yeah, I held off the young guy. I I did it. So for for you to go against it, not only is it the bold and for me, the more correct strategy, but I think it tells you about the true talent and the upside of of what Quinn Ewers is. It's not, it can't just go back to the South Lake Carroll elite 11 stuff where you're like, oh my gosh, this arm talent is nuts. It can't just be that it's, it's, it's now been tangible it's now been seasoned. It's now been groomed at least to a degree uh, t- to be something that people can see uh, whether that means he's just the more explosive passer and the guy who pushes it down the field and takes more chances on that end, or it's this all encompassing, you know, he's actually getting it with the small stuff and the checks and the line and the protections and all the stuff that we don't talk nearly enough about because that's actually football. You know, as opposed to, oh, my gosh, look at this deep ball that we put in slow motion. You know, that's what we'll get talked about. But if he can start to, you know, fully realize, hey, this is the check you make when the Mike linebacker presents to the weak side and those kind of things, that's where it really, you know, hits its ceiling. And that's where Hudson Card had the biggest advantage. So for yours to still be the guy to me says that either the talent was so undeniable and or the margins were starting to get filled and and the catch up was being played enough by Ewers to where he could be fully realized. Because let's let's be honest, when we talk about number one recruits and all that, we never talk about what's at stake for them and like maybe their motivation and chip on their shoulder. Quinn's got a lot of that. I mean, this this cat was heralded as a sophomore. His sophomore year at South Lake Carroll was unreal. I mean, go back and watch that. It was as as flag planting a high school season as we have ever seen at any position. Right. So from that moment to the moment he, I guess, got to Ohio State, you couldn't tell me nothing. If I'm Quinn Ewers, just nothing. I don't care. But after that point, humbled at multiple points, whether it's the decision to go to Ohio State being what third or fourth string at Ohio State, the, the humble and, and grounded approach it takes you to say, you know what, I got I got to go having that conversation with Ryan Day, and then fielding the phone calls through the transfer portal process, getting to Texas, kind of jumping back into that expectation-laden part of the process. All of that takes a level of, of I, I got I to gotta do the work. I got to be grounded here. So now you've got a motivational and chip-on-your-shoulder element with Quinn Newers that should pair perfectly with that of Steve Sarkeesian, who should feel the same way on a lot of fronts. So this is the high upside, high reward play. And again, to, to the long way of rounding, rounding about to answer your question is there should be a whole lot of I told you so and oh, I get it. I get why the mullet was a thing two, three years ago. And now, now I see kind of that full vision, and then Sarkeesian will look like a genius and all that stuff will will fall into place.
0: Yeah, we'll find out real soon if the boosters made the right decision. I'm just playing. No (laughs) comment, no comment. (laughs) No comment. Uh, Quick Texas joke there. Um, But no, so we're going to talk about Kelvin Banks and Cole Hudson next. uh, Two people that will be responsible for keeping uh, that mullet slick and clean this year. A quick word from LinkedIn first. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, John, I was talking to uh, a Longhorn uh, content creator the other day on YouTube, and he said that Quinn Ewers represented hope for this football team. Another representation of hope was the seven offensive linemen that were brought in in the 2022. Uh, freshman class right because people saw the way the offensive line played last year and they were like when can these freshmen get in here and 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 turn this upside down and so it looks like on september 3rd we'll have two freshmen o-line starting in front of quinn ewers it'll be kelvin banks at left tackle and cole hudson at right guard presumably so what is the ceiling for this offense who many think to be explosive this year if there's gonna be two true freshman o-linemen starting from
1: day one you possibly might have to rely on even
0: more throughout the season.
1: Well, look, I think these two represent the balance that you want and need, right? Again, we're going to only talk about the, the slow ball deep ball that's coming out of the, the, the right arm of, of Mr. Mullet. But when you talk about Texas, it should start with Bijan Robinson. Hello. Like let's, let's not you know, forget about that part of, of the conversation. So you should be balanced. And I think, Banks and Hudson offer you that in in a package, right? Banks, the best left tackle in the country coming out of high school last year, the most balanced pass blocker that we've evaluated maybe in a couple of years. So naturally he's the one you tie to Sarkeesian and Ewers and the passing attack. And then Cole Hudson is just a old school Texan interior offensive lineman, road grader, run behind me kind of guy who got overshadowed by Devin Campbell, certainly from a rankings perspective, but winning that head to head tells me a whole lot. It's not that simple, but theoretically winning it head to head tells me a whole lot about the floor that Cole Hudson uh, can present as a run blocking, primarily run blocking interior lineman. And and that's where the balance, the Bijan Robinson element of this comes into play. And and, and this kid had over a hundred pancakes last year. Uh, I I don't know how well our audience does in the math department, but if you're talking 10, 12, 13 games and over a hundred, that's 10 a game. I mean, 10 pancakes a game at the high school level. And that's crazy. That's a crazy number. You're getting a human being on his back or his side or his knees at at worst case scenario, double digit times a game, mostly in the run game coming out of the Frisco area. That says a lot about who you are at the point of attack. And that's why the floor is so high with Hudson. And, And he's got a guy I think initially you can run behind at 305 pounds or So So I think those two represent the balance that this offense has to project uh, towards, whether you're talking passing or running, they, they both are going to be expected to hit the ground running uh, as offensive linemen. And again, that's where the communication with the older guys, certainly the development of Kyle Flood and the communication mentally between coach and player is going to come into play. And that's where, again, it goes back to Quinn Ewers. He will be a big part of that in almost uh, essentially protecting those young players early in the season, particularly uh, when Alabama comes to Austin. But uh, other than that, I think they represent the balance that we should expect from this Texas offense. And despite the youth, you should expect a lot of points in production if this Texas team is going to be closer to its ceiling than its floor, even with the young guys out there.
0: Cole Hudson, friend of the show. Y'all will see him on Locked on Longhorns real soon. All right. So somebody who's going to be uh, blocking for B. John Robinson and catching the ball from Quinn Ewers is J.T. Sanders, uh, athlete coming out of Denton Ryan. Right. Who played on defense and offense. But he said when Steve Sarkisian got the job, I knew I was playing tight What What is J.T. Sanders ceiling at the tight end position look like for you, John Garcia?
1: Oh, man, he is. He's a freak. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. We thought. Uh, positionally defense made more sense with his athletic profile just because rushing the passer is so important in, in, at every level of football nowadays but especially at the collegiate level and especially my gosh in the big 12 but in terms of the tight end upside I mean you've seen the highlights by now it, it, this this guy's in the post uh just rebounding touchdowns over defenders and this is look he played at Denton Ryan this is I'm not the most well-versed in Texas high school football, but this is as good as it gets in the state of Texas. In the Dallas area, this is big boy. You play in college, and then you'll play in college when you look around the high school football field. So bullying those players at tight end says a lot, but athletically, there's so much to like about Sanders with with his frame, how well he runs, the change of direction that you see on defense instinctively is really impressive here, And, and the motor, that he showed particularly as a defensive end and getting after the passer says a lot about, you know, kind of the will that he imposes as well. And and look, from a business standpoint, I get it. I mean, look at what Steve Sarkeesian has done with tight ends, even to Charles Billingsley on the roster. Look at what he's done with tight ends at at multiple stops and in the passing game in particular. And, and that from a business standpoint makes a lot of sense. But now Sanders has had time to, blossom and season a little bit, you know, under the under the system and and learn the ins and outs to, to then pair with uh, with some of these with Billingsley and some of these other pass catchers that maybe we're going to see uh, at volume uh, on Saturdays this fall. So, yeah, the the ceiling here is is kind of unlimited. And the best thing about it is when you line up as a D.C. and a defensive coordinator against Texas. You got to identify some things, right? What does the protection look like? Where is five on the field? Probably need to figure that out. Where is eight hey, wheres 8 lined up on the field? Oh, he's in the slot. Eight, hey, check the opposite side. Whatever it is, you're not scheming for the tight end or wide receiver two or the second tight end maybe in Sanders, whatever he's going to be that is where you start to really feel the advantage because now it's not your best linebacker or your best safety or your best nickel guy. It's the number two or the number three. So now that's where you talk about really creating mismatches. And that is where particularly at Alabama, Steve Sarkeesian made a lot of people look stupid. I mean, that, that national title game against Ohio state, where, you know, every player on the field, a blue chip borderline NFL guy, he made those sub defenders just look silly trying to cover the supplementary receivers at Alabama. The guy's not named Devontae Smith because that's the year he won the Heisman. He made those guys look like like kids, high school kids on the field, and that is where you really get to to play your full deck as a play caller. And again, from a talent perspective and a personnel perspective, Texas has that throughout uh, this offensive uh, skill position list. Yeah,
0: so uh, J.T. Sanders, who Sark has said has the strongest hands on the team, I'll be playing next to Jaleel Billingsley, uh, but shout out to Charles as well. Charles' dad, <laughs> man.
1: I've, I've done that multiple times. You know, I, I covered Bama back, like, when they recruited him. I, I've literally apologized to him for this. Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end. Charles Billingsley, his father. But I bet Charles can play, too. Sign him up. Yeah.
0: Hey, hey in Sark's offense, anybody could go out there and be explosive, <laughs> including me and you, right? So uh, somebody who's going to be on the defensive side but will still be coached by Sark is Ethan Burke, uh, the hometown hero, the Westlake chap. Right. And he's been praised for his natural pass rushing ability, which has shown up in fall camp. So uh, this is a, a big area of need for the Longhorns. Only 20 sacks last year. And we know it's going to be a pass rush by committee. But Ethan Burke will be part of that committee. So uh, what do you see him? What type of impact do you see him having uh, in year one for the Longhorns on the defensive side?
1: Yeah, who says they can't win one of these Austin West like battles. Uh that, that that's a big deal in and of itself. But Burke is interesting, right? I mean, late add to the class uh, there, I believe in December it was. Uh and massive, 66 67 230 whatever he was listed at in high school and you're like, "Well, that's a little bit light for a pass rusher." Well, he was like one of the best lacrosse players in the country. So, you can't you can't be quite too heavy playing that sport but now at Texas I don't I should have looked at the roster I don't know what he's listed at but I'm assuming it's above 225 230 uh but either way coming off the edge with that length and that movement skill uh creates a lot of pressure on the opposing offensive tackles even if it's situationally which again as pass rushers you can deploy you want a rotation you want those guys fresh and you can tell a true freshman like this hey go out there once a series and go attack the inside hip or the outside hip of, of, of this blocker uh, because we need you to help uh, collapse the pocket a little bit. So I think on the surface level, even situationally, Burke can create that pressure at six, 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 seven, Uh, And the movement skills, the change of direction here, and this goes back to lacrosse as well, is really impressive. So this isn't a kid who's just going to try to win with speed and great bend, which he does possess, but now there's some redirection potential here, which again, even situationally, can really put problems on, on some secondary blockers, particularly particularly if it's a tight end or or a younger, lighter offensive tackle prospect. But I'm sure he's gotten stronger and a little bit more physical at the point of attack uh, now that he's obviously at, at the collegiate level. So this is it's going to be by committee and you need different types of pass rushers. I think your linebackers are going to blitz. I think your traditional interior guys are, are going to have to be a problem as well from a strength and, and pocket collapsing standpoint. But you need the edge guys, the traditional ones to show up and bring that balance to the pass rush and obviously burke has uh done his homework here and, and has made an impact here right away uh at, as the hometown hero so i think all things even he's going to get a few nods a few extra nods uh from the coaching staff to go in there and make an impact because somebody has to at this point
0: yeah ethan burke listed as 67234 on the texas Very roster that's it uh, set- Yeah, Savion Red uh, was just a football player coming out of high school, and he's found a nice little niche for himself uh, in the wide receiver room at Texas. A lot of uh, Texas fans, the people that cover the team, and Sark has talked about him as well, Jordan Whittington, expect him to have a big impact this year. Uh, How do you see Savion Red fitting into uh, Sark's offense at the University of Texas?
1: Yeah, gadget player, like you said, a guy who can do a little bit of everything, was a great, a great runner with the ball in his hands uh, coming out of high school. Uh, but look, this is where, like we talked about with Sanders and or Billingsley, whether his dad or or himself, <laughs> this, this is where Sark wins. It, it's about creating matchups. We, we talk about that at the NFL level, but not enough at the high school level. But again, when you're game planning for Texas, th- these aren't the players that you have to identify pre-snap. So, again, when you are starting to assign folks to handle them or try to cover them, this is where the margins will work. And I think it, it's easy to, to sell it when it's a big tight end like Sanders or a wide receiver like uh, we thought Isaiah Nayer was going to be or some of these others, Jai Hall. Uh, it's easy to sell that because you're like, oh, yeah, down the field, big receiver, big passes, easy to sell. But when it's a more of a slot or a gadget player, it's, it's space. That's what you're selling. You're selling the I- idea of winning in space. And with Red, you can do it in two ways, right? You can certainly ask him to run a route and ask Quinn to deliver the football on time, whip routes, quick hitters, hitches, outcuts, running some stack stuff with, with the outside receiver if he's on worthy side or whatever that's going to look like. But here's for me where it really expands. Because when you talk about the Texas running game, it's it's Bijan, it's it's the running backs, right? Johnson, all of that. But now you can extend that running game by utilizing these players that work in the margins, like Red does bubble screens, jet sweeps, quick hitters, allowing screens to allow these guys to operate in space opposite of Bijan Robinson. So I think red is more tied to Robinson in the run game more so than how he works next to Xavier worthy or the tight ends, uh, et cetera. He's more tied as an extension for me of the run game because of his great ability after the catch vision and size on top of that uh, as a compact player uh, to make guys miss in space. And again, you're not going to game plan for it. So there could be some really nice opportunities there.
0: Yeah, Debo Samuel has quickly become the most overused comp in football, but uh, Sabian Red really uh, provides some uh, Debo Samuel's type versatility at the wide receiver and running back position. So I'm going to ask John Garcia about the Texas Alabama game and how that game will affect uh, the 2023 class. A lot of uh, commits and targets will be at that game. But first, A quick word from the Longhorn real estate team. Dwell in Austin and Hill Country mortgages have combined to make the Longhorn real estate team in a changing, more complex market. You need to work with the top professionals in Austin. Our data and information driven approach gives our clients a significant advantage. Our clients for years have outperformed the market, leveraging our proprietary research, information and expertise, which is now more important than Ever. Our only goal is to achieve the best possible outcome for our clients. Once again, Dwell in Austin and Hill Country Mortgages have combined to make the Longhorn Real Estate Team for all of your real estate needs. Hill Country Mortgages, LLC, NMLS 2324262, Jonathan Sarver, NMLS 993872, equal housing opportunity. So, John Garcia, we talked about this Texas and Alabama game, and all eyes are going to be on this game, not from Coaches, uh, players, right, fans, but also uh, Alabama, Texas, Alabama and Texas uh, targets and commits. Right. So um, we know that, like you said, Alabama is more of a known commodity at this point, And Texas is more of a we'll wait and see and we'll find out. Right. Um, and this game can go a lot of ways. Right. A lot of different ways. So <laughs> how do you see this game potentially affecting uh, Texas commits and targets, either from a positive or a negative standpoint?
1: I really f- struggle j d to find a, a big negative out outside of just getting railroaded, right? or you know forty five to seven kind of game, like fine, okay, yeah, it's not the best kind of thing, but I think almost any other on field scenario helps Texas because the atmosphere is gonna be nuts. I mean that's that's a given. Fox game of the week, big noon kickoff, tailgating, pregame. all that stuff takes care of itself pageantry. The, there'll be no empty seats uh, that that day. Uh, unless people are standing to watch, which is probably what's going to happen anyway. So there's no real downside to this type of game. And obviously the national storylines are going to be just so easy to write, right? Everybody's an Alabama transfer on the Texas side of of this game. But I think what you said about how Texas fans view the Ewer's decision, period, right? Hope, that that's what this game represents. If you certainly start strong, if you flash and if you make big plays against Alabama you will be kind of the tangible living breathing example of that hope especially if it comes from yours and the passing game you know this this Alabama defense is very very good most of those guys from last year's team are back including Will Anderson the best you know college football player in the world all that stuff still exists so the expectation to win the game is, is really as easy an excuse as there there possibly could be, maybe of this entire uh, college football slate. But to contend and to flash and to make runs and to show some promise, I think, is really what this is about. And that's a position Texas has never been afforded the opportunity to, to live within. You've never lived in that realm as a Texas Longhorn where it's like, hey, even if we just compete, will be happy. So this is the one time that you can live in that world, which means you can be a little bit more liberal with the play calling, throw in some tricks, have some fun, roll out some packages and some personnel that nobody has ever seen before. You can really kind of dial it up. And then obviously if you contend or you win or anything like that, you're just talking about all the vision is sold that much quicker. So from a recruiting standpoint, The atmosphere is going to take care of itself. The visitor list is going to take care of itself. I haven't even looked at the recent additions, but those are going to continue to pile on for for the next two weeks. uh, And it's going to be big, right? Uh, That will take care of itself. Um, The buildup will take care of itself. And I think if you contend at any point, then that will take care of all the recruiting perception you need. Because the Texas sell right now is about the future. It's about building something as you transition to the sec where it has been Alabama's conference since Oh uh, eight or whatever it is. That's that's who you're looking to play up towards and get, get to their level if you will. So flashing in any way only enhances the cell recruiting will take care of itself, barring a blowout and the fans leaving at halftime, which I can't really envision all that stuff will take care of itself. I really don't see a major downside to this game other than a major blowout. And even then, you use it as a resetter and hey this you know we're not there yet we're not where those guys are we came from there but we're not quite there uh just yet so i i think it's just a monster game early in the season which is where you want it right if you want to be humbled and you need to take an l it needs to happen early right all of the playoff scenarios and conference championship scenarios push into that theory if you're gonna lose lose early um so then the expectation lowers and you can kind of have less, less pressure, which is something that, again, Texas has not been afforded really ever. And Sarkeesian has never, I'm sure, felt like he doesn't have pressure. But that day, no pressure on Sark, no pressure on Texas. And that could allow them to maybe operate in a different type of vibe, uh, which, which, which only to me has a high upside uh, more so than not. Locked on Longhorns, the
0: show. Jonathan Davis, your host, John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated. Joining me once again, I'm about 35 subscribers away. Locked on Longhorns is about 35 subscribers away from hitting that 2000 mark on YouTube. Please help us get there. And thank you all. for the likes, views, (laughs) support, listens, all of that. And like he said, it's free as always. Hook them.